Welcome to What She Said on 105.9 The Region. I'm your host, Candace Sampson. Well, as we head into the final stretch of 2020, there is hope on the horizon with two vaccines looking more than promising. So now it's time to hunker down and ride out the rest of this storm until life can return to normal, which makes it a perfect time to listen to what she said this week. I've got another amazing lineup of smart, thoughtful, and interesting women to bring you this hour, starting with Reba Redmond, a diabetes and mental health advocate from London, Ontario, who is here to share some of the realities around living with type 1 diabetes, and she shatters a few myths as well. Allie Payne, our resident teen, is back to discuss the issues of your teen's privacy and their use of social media. At the heart of the issue is building trust. Allie explains how to start the conversation early and how to get back on track later in the teen years. The holidays are just around the corner, and if you're feeling a little unmotivated with holiday baking, I've got just the inspiration you need. Karina Odorico from Breville, Canada, joins me to share some sweet ways to still take part in a cookie swap this year and some other very creative ways to use your stand mixer. She also shares details on a hot gift to put under the tree for yourself this year. Plus, we'll be giving a bakery chef away over on the What She Said Talk Instagram starting at the end of today's show. Anne Brody is back with Saturday Night at the Movies, and she moves from dark and melancholy this week with shows like Black Narcissus and The Sound of Metal to light and fluffy with holiday makeovers on Netflix and a new movie with Dolly Parton, who is cast as an angel, which somehow feels fitting for the woman we all love to love. Pandemic pets have been a huge part of 2020, and the need for companionship is high. People everywhere are seeking a pet to call their own. But as we lock down indoors with them, some people will start to suffer allergic reactions, particularly to cats. Stacey Lynn Morley, a nutritional communications manager at Purina, joins me to share some tips for finding a pet and making sure you can live with them too. Finally, Lena Thampen is an outspoken and passionate leader at WagePoint and has forged a brilliant career in this technology company with absolutely no background in technology. She's recently been recognized as one of Canada's top 50 executives, and we're always thrilled to share women shattering glass ceilings here at What She Said, so make sure you stick around to hear her story. It's another full week here at What She Said, so let's jump in right now on 105.9 The Region. Roughly 10% of people living with diabetes have type 1, an autoimmune condition where the body stops producing insulin. There is no cure. The individual must balance their glucose levels and take insulin every day of their life. Dexcom Canada is a company that makes a continuous glucose monitor to help people manage their condition. And since November is Diabetes Awareness Month, I am joined by Reba Redmond, a diabetes and mental health advocate from London, Ontario, to discuss her journey with type 1 diabetes. Welcome to what she said, Reba. Thank you. So when were you diagnosed with type 1 diabetes? I was diagnosed back in 1999, so and right in between the ages of 17 and 18. Okay, so that must have come as quite a shock to you at that stage of your life. It was unexpected and overwhelming, um, but also kind of in the throes of teenagerdom, I, I kind of just ran with it. 
So is this something that you would have had your entire life and wasn't diagnosed until later? Or is this something that you developed? They don't know in my particular case. They had a feeling that maybe I'd been in the throes of it for quite a few years. And then at that moment was kind of the, the pinnacle. Right. So that's, that's a really hard time to be diagnosed with something. So how, how did it change your life at that point? Um, it changed a lot of things for me. I, I had to grow up really, really fast because I, I didn't have my mom and dad kind of to look after me. There were all kinds of privacy laws in relation to going to the doctor and being of age. Um, and I also had to alter plans for post-secondary school at that point because it was a little precarious with a new diagnosis to, to be going all over. So, And I suppose like, you know, you had to become quite uh, responsible as well when it came to being accountable for your own health. In theory, yes. Um, in honesty, I was not probably as responsible as I, I could have been, or maybe would have been had I been diagnosed slightly earlier and understood things a bit better. Okay, so we're many years on from 1999. Now, then, how do you manage uh, living with diabetes uh, every single day? What's sort of the tools um, that you use to manage this? Um, well, now I use a Dexcom G6, which is their new continuous glucose monitor, and that gives me real-time blood glucose numbers. So I can see what my blood sugars are without having to prick my finger. Um, and then using those numbers, I manage with an insulin pump. So I can administer through another unit how much insulin I need. Okay, so tell me then, so is this something that you wear permanently on your body? It stays on for about 10 days, um, the CGM. My pump, I have to change every 72 hours, but it's better than multiple finger pricks all the time. Or for me, I was needle phobic. So not having to do five or six injections a day makes a big difference. So having those kinds of technologies wearable is a lot better. Okay, so you have a fairly cool connection actually to somebody in the diabetes uh, fight. Uh, so tell me about that connection. So I am related to Frederick Banting, who woke up one night a <laughs> hundred years ago this year and had an idea for using insulin. So he is my grandmother's cousin. He's my second cousin, three times removed. But um, we are, I, my whole family is proud, but my connection to that particular relative is, is a highly intimate one. And, and there's a connection there to London, Ontario as well. Is that right? Frederick Banting? Absolutely. Yep. He was here for about nine months. It was actually in London at Banting House that he he woke up and wrote those 25 words down that literally changed the lives of millions of people around the world. Okay. So I want to talk a little bit then about some of the signs and symptoms of type 1 diabetes. Uh, what are some of those? So there are four primary ones. They call them the four T's. So you have thirst, toilet, tired, and thinner. And I experienced all four of those. So I had an insatiable thirst. I was going pee all the time. Um, I was unnaturally tired and fatigued and probably grumpy. And I had also lost an extreme amount of weight. So those are, are some key things along with, with nausea and blurred vision are to be watched for. When you were diagnosed, I'm curious, is that a common, um, age to be diagnosed or is there what when do typically people are they diagnosed with type 1 diabetes 
That is something that in recent times has changed. A lot of people thought it was a juvenile disease, but it is something that you can get at any age. I know people that were diagnosed at nine months. My best girlfriend was diagnosed at the age of 39. So there's quite quite the gamut. There is no particular age. It kind of can come out of nowhere at any time. So that's that's interesting to me. So 39, that's, that is uh, life-altering at that point. Is there something that causes type 1 diabetes? I mean, I think we all know the causes of type 2 diabetes, but is there something that that triggers type 1? There is nothing that they can put one solid finger on. Um, It is your body retaliating against something. There are people who experience trauma and come out of it with type 1. There are other health markers that can can lead to it and other chronic illnesses. But at this point, there's just too many things for anyone to just say it was this that led to that. So we need a lot more research on this then. So you're also, you're also a mental health advocate then. So what would you, what advice would you give to somebody who has just been diagnosed with type one diabetes? Find community, do your research and find community at my age. When I was diagnosed, I kind of just ran with it. There wasn't this virtual world that we live in now to connect with people. So I actually lived with type one almost 18 years before I met another type one. And that's a a really hard road to walk along alone. So as soon as you can find even just one person that can empathize with how you're feeling, who kind of gets it, I think is, is critical to have that support. And are there, are the, do those groups exist now online, those virtual groups? Absolutely. You could go on to Google and find them. You can go to Facebook and find them. Um, Some groups are listed through your hospital or through your clinic. Uh, There's just countless. It still blows my mind uh, a few years on now what is available and what's out there. And and I'm curious, how much is your uh, your diet affected by type 1 diabetes? It's funny that you mentioned that because we just went through something here in London where there was a donut company that we had kind of said like, you know, a donut's a circle. It's a symbol for diabetes is a blue circle. It would be great if you could do a diabetes donut. And they were hesitant because there's this misnomer that diabetics can't eat things like that. And the truth is using technology like our CGMs and getting our numbers and administering insulin unless it's poisonous or an allergen, we can eat pretty much whatever we want as long as we're responsible about it. Oh, that, that, that's actually, that is news to me. I would have thought that your diet would be quite restrictive uh, in terms of what you could and could not eat with type one diabetes. So that's actually, that's actually good news. Yeah. Yeah. Any other myths you'd like to clear up <laughs> about diabetes while we're here? We have a couple of minutes. Um, I don't know. I, I, the, the food one is a big one for me. I mean, especially as a woman where our bodies are, are judged and what we put in our mouths are judged so much the the food thing really, really gets me. So don't ask someone if they can eat that, just let them know the carb count so that they can administer the right amount of insulin and they'll be fine. All right. Excellent. Okay. So if people want to know more then about Dexcom or they want to connect with you um, and actually, if you have any places that you would recommend people find more resources, I'd, we would love to hear them. So please share them with me. 
Absolutely. Dexcom.com is a great place to start if you're interested in CGM technology. I also would advise people who are using it or are interested in it to contact your local government officials. This is really life-changing technology that requires the, the attention of our governments. I think people need better access to it to be more proactive in their diabetes care. Um, there's other great places like Diabetes Canada or JDRF that can show you a wealth of resources and other places to get in touch with people. And I can be found at deadpancreasanxiety.com and I'm always happy to chat and share my experiences. Okay, wonderful. Reba, thank you. You were very enlightening today. This is a great information. Thank you. Thank you. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Joining me now for our regular conversation about teens is Allie Payne, and we are jumping into a big topic this week about trust and social media. So Allie, let's jump in. Uh, How do we we build that trust? This is, okay, so this is what I relate it to. Dieting and parenting, they're the same. We can take a quick fix pill for the diet, right? Or we try, (laughs) you know, lose weight overnight. You'll feel better overnight. And as parenting, what that looks like is often greater control, more rules, removing all their technology. And we're trying to create a quick result and fix it. And it actually creates far more stress and disconnection. So when it comes to social media as a parent, I absolutely understand the level of fear that happens in parents uh, in our generation, because we did not grow up with smartphones. We did not grow up with all of these social media apps in which our lives are broadcast to the world. And that is terrifying. It's terrifying. Just the thought of my child um, posting something that someone would know where they are or whatever. It's terrifying. But here's the thing. Just because we're afraid does not mean that controlling is going to alleviate the problem. When we try to control, we do the complete opposite. So we are better to, instead of removing the app or spying on our kids because deceit does not build trust. Deceit has never built trust. We need to be in conversation with our kids to teach them what's appropriate and what's not and go over things with them as opposed to spying on or controlling their world. Right. So I've heard I've heard sort of conflicting approaches to this, um, I suppose, problem. You know, some parents insist that they can see their children's uh, social media at any time they ask for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, some parents insist that their kids follow them on social media. Uh, you know, how do what is the best way? Uh, I suppose to introduce social media to kids and and to and to build that trust with your kids so that they can talk to you about what's happening. Right. So what I would say, if I, let's say if if I could go back and I had a 10 year old now, my kids are older teenagers. Now, if I had a 10 year old right now, and I, I kind of like what we did, what I would do is I would create a Snapchat account, for instance, Snapchat, because that's a big one because it disappears. Right. I would create a Snapchat account 
and I would start to go over how Snapchat works with them on my account, or we could use it together or something to show them how things disappear, how people can put things up and there's no tracing it. Why is that a good thing? And why is that a bad thing? What does it mean to have a private account? What kind of things do I see and why do you like them? What's interesting to you about that? Same with Instagram, same with, I would create the account first as a very young child and then start showing them and going through it. Then let them create their own account at an age I felt was appropriate, which is not the same for every child and do the same thing. Stay in conversation. Why is this important? Talk to them about the dangers of it and totally be upfront and honest if you're afraid. Yeah. You know, most, most kids have these spam accounts. I mean, I know my daughters have them. They have their Instagram accounts that I'm allowed to follow (laughs) that, that, that I'm permitted to see what they've posted, but they also have spam accounts that I don't see, don't have access to, but you know, at, at the age that they're at now, I feel quite comfortable because as I said to you prior to this interview, I talked with my girls early and often about what could happen on social media. And because I work Mm -hmm. in space, I do understand a little bit about some of those private DMs and things that get sent to people. Uh, And now it's funny because they come to me and they'll say, oh my gosh, mom, like you wouldn't believe this message I got, you know, and I'm glad that they do because they recognize it and they'll talk to me about it. Right. And these kinds of open... (laughs) Right. Rather than hiding it, these kinds of open, honest conversations are really critical because to your point just there, which I just got one the other day, some gross message, uh, you know, he's a doctor, but he wants to know if I'm married, like, really, come on. (laughs) But here's the thing. When your teenagers share that kind of stuff with you, teenage girls in particular, right now we're talking about you don't, you didn't shame them for someone else's behavior. Okay. Like, not like, oh, well, you shouldn't have attracted that. Uh, 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 uh. No, that person's behavior, which is creepy and gross is their problem. So they feel safe bringing that to you. And that's because of these conversations. I do think parents should follow their kids on social, at least the accounts they know about. And we've had multiple conversations in my house about what's appropriate. So when they were young, all their accounts had to be private. They could never post a picture or profile photo of their own face or anyone else's in who was a minor. They could not. And we, we had lots of conversations about this and there's no quick fix and it's okay to be afraid. It's okay to be terrified for your gorgeous child. And it's okay to tell them that it's okay to say, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what might happen. And so I want to control, but I know that that's not going to work. So please, can we be in conversation about this? Because again, controlling out of fear builds deceit and it removes trust and spying on your kid or your teenager is not helpful at all. It builds anxiety. And I'll tell you what, they will not appreciate you in the way that you would like them to. Yeah. And that's not what we're looking for. So I'm sure this is a a huge problem for a lot of parents listening. And if they want to connect with you, Allie, and talk about this or find more resources from you about this, where can they go? Absolutely. They can find me on my website, uh, www.alliepain.com or on Instagram, TikTok at Allie Payne, probably the fastest ways. Okay. Excellent. Thanks so much, Allie. We'll see you again soon. Absolutely. Thank you. Try to hide it, I'ma make it my theory. Cake, 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 cake.
The holidays approacheth, and even though everything may feel different this year, there is no reason to give up some of our most time-honored traditions, like holiday baking. Joining me today to discuss how to still enjoy all the cookies you want, plus sharing a very sweet Instagram giveaway, is Karina Odorico from Breville, Canada. Welcome back to the show, Karina. Thank you so much for having me, and Breville. It's so great to have you back. So we'll be celebrating with just our immediate families this year, which makes it pretty different. So, you know, we still want to enjoy um, baking, uh, but maybe not that big, big batch baking we usually did. So any tips for navigating that 2020 cookie swap this year? Yeah. um, I mean, I still want to bake. I love baking around the holidays. I love baking all year round, but there's always something special about baking around the holidays. And you're right. Like it's going to be less people. Um, but you know, it's really the time for giving and I've thought too about maybe still cooking my batch of cookies and sharing with elderly people, um, you know, people that have been quarantined because they just want to stay safe, uh, maybe just do a drop off and give them cookies or maybe bake with your, um, you know, virtually with your friends, uh, and swap recipes. And I actually thought about maybe challenging my friends too, that, I'll give them a recipe that might be, you know, a little challenging for them, for them to try and then them giving me one. And then possibly we could swap to have, um, you know, a bit of a competition. Hey, why not? Have some That's fun. a good idea, you know, because normally yeah. at this time of year, we're quite stressed. We're in the time crunch because, you know, we have Christmas concerts and parties to attend, but those things don't exist this year. So we can really try uh, get in the kitchen and try some new things, right? Think of it as prep for next year's holiday when yes. we're all back with the big crowds, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Another one I heard that was really great was like a porch swap where people were uh, are arranging this the typical um, cookie swap, but only they're doing it with porches. So they're putting a bunch of boxes out and then people go around, drive around and take a box, leave a box, right? That's a good way to get your cookies uh yeah, I that idea. I think that's a really fantastic idea. Yeah, and you know, and if you try it right around the same time when the Christmas lights are out, you could do it and sort of take in the Christmas lights as well when you're driving around, right? Yes, that's true. Yes, I love that idea. I think it's great. So aside from cookies, uh, you know, which everybody wants to make this time of year, are there is there anything else that you can make in um, the, the bakery chef that would be uh, really good to try right now? For sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a beautiful machine, so it could stay on your counter. I, I, I say it's jewelry for your kitchen. So it's something that you can always use as a helper in the kitchen throughout um, any meal. So, I, you know, sometimes I put um, like poached chicken inside and use it, use the paddle to shred the chicken if I needed for any recipe, an enchilada or a sandwich or just topping on my salads. But you can do that also with uh, pork if you like pork as well, like a like a shredded pork and a, and a carnita. Um, or how about some dips, uh, some guacamole. If you want to do large batch of guacamole, you can uh, have it m- mixed inside as well. Or even um, using the whip attachment for making mashed potatoes. So you can incorporate it, whatever you think that you have to mix by hand, you can definitely rely on the bakery chef to do that. That's actually, I have to tell you, that's brilliant. I'm just sitting here <laughs> nodding going, wow, because pulled pork is something that I do. Um, I, as a cooker. I love it. I hadn't thought of using the bakery chef to shred it like that, which is 
which yeah. is fabulous. That's so great. It's a great idea. So yeah. let's talk about the bakery chef thing because I love the bakery chef. I have one on my counter and like you, oh. I'm obsessed with it. I just walk in my kitchen every day. And I know I just look at it. I know. I'm in a long-term <laughs> committed relationship with my bakery chef. <laughs> yes, me too. <laughs> so tell me it. about some of the advantages of it though. You know, it, it's, um, it has a, a large mixing bowl. So it's a, a five quart, five liter mixing bowl. So, and it's glass. So I could see what I'm, um, you know, I could see the ingredients inside, but it also has an illuminated light. So I could uh, see what the ingredients look like as I'm mixing it. It comes with four attachments, uh, mixing attachments. So it has the flat pa uh, paddle, the uh, balloon whisk, the dough hook. And then we also have the, um, I have it right here. This is my favorite. It's the scraper paddle. And the scraper paddle has flexible edges that you could scrape the uh, edges of the bowl while it's mixing. So you don't have to stop and scrape the sides of the bowl. So it kind of uh, reduces the mixing time by like 30%. Uh, and it also has a very powerful motor, 550 watt motor. And that's really important for your mixing of the doughs. It has metal gears. Um, so they're not going to break down and also an overload protection. So if you feel like your dough is a little too heavy, the motor is going to stop to cool down just to protect it a little bit more. And it has um, 12 speeds with a task indicator. And I like that we use words instead of numbers. So we can fold, we can cream, we can uh, whip. So using those words for, especially for a beginner baker, when you're reading a recipe that says, you know, cream your butter and sugar together, you know, a beginner is not going to really know what number do I start at to cream my butter and sugar together. So the task indicator tells you what to start it at. So, um, and just one more thing about our beaters, um, they all are engineered to touch the bottom of the bowl so that they, they really incorporate the ingredients very well. Um, so we don't want to end up with a slurry of egg whites at the bottom. We want to make sure that it incorporates everything all together. Yeah. Okay, and I should mention too, they also it also comes in really beautiful colors for yeah. your kitchen. Uh, so we don't have a lot of time le left. Um, so I just, you know, in the spirit of of giving for the holidays, uh, what she said and Breville have teamed up uh, for an Instagram giveaway of a Breville Bakery Chef uh, in my favorite color, which is the Royal Champagne. So if everybody wants to head over onto what she said, talk right now for details how to enter, uh, that is open right now. And Karina, thank you so much for joining. Me. It's always a pleasure to have you and wealth of information on how to use this, uh, this, this stand mixer. It's great. Thank you so much, Candice. I'm really looking forward to the holiday season and Me. baking and eating. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's not even my birthday. My birthday. Stick around. More What She Said with Candace Sampson coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Joining me now for Saturday Night at the Movies is Anne Brody, and we are going to shift from some pretty heavy, deep stuff into the light and fluffy this week. <laughs> Anne, let's, we start, let's start with what you've got first for us. Well, it is, it is dark and it is um, challenging to watch, but FX has this incredible new series. I think it's my favorite series of the year called Black Narcissus based on the book by Rumor Godden. 
Um, and so it follows a group of British nuns who go into the Himalayas to set up a convent. And they just go in, they're imperialists. They just go in and they expect the locals to suddenly become Christians, to follow the way they live. And there's so much tension. And, and of course, these nuns have um, some psychological problems that, that come into play. Uh, and they're in this stunning palace with erotic paintings all over it. It's, it, everything challenges who they are and what they chose to be. And then there's um, Mr. Dean played by Alessandro Navolo and he is their sort of local guide. And he tries to tell them, you know, you've got to change this. Time doesn't exist here, but you insist on ringing the bell every hour. And it gets really complicated. It, 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 it's just stunning. They actually shot it in Nepal. Just yeah, unbelievable. The trailer you sent over is, uh, is eerie and beautiful all at the same time. It looks like a fascinating show. Uh, it's a gift. What else do you have for us? Yes. And then I have The Sound of Metal, which is Riz Ahmed, a, a British actor who's amazing. And you might remember him from um, Nightcrawler with Jake Gyllenhaal many years ago when he was his, his intern. Uh, so he plays a rock musician, heavy metal drummer. His girlfriend is the singer. And it opens with him playing during a, a, a performance. And suddenly it, it the sound becomes muffled. He can't hear her anymore. And he loses track a little bit and she notices. Um, and literally after that, hour by hour, his hearing just goes. So he, um, he has a really hard time adjusting, but then he's taken to a home for, for people with hearing loss who, learn to manage it and it's a real it's a real thing uh and he finds his hope again he knows that he's not going to lose uh, not going to regain his hearing which is 24 percent in both ears so he has he has cochlear implants then he's booted out of the home because they don't look on hearing as a disability anyway it's his journey what is so incredible about it is the soundscape because when we hear things it captions them so what they're saying is we are lucky to have our senses if we have them. And then the, the silent things that he hears, dead silence, he's walking through cities. It's just the most incredible, it plays with you psychologically. You see what um, people with hearing loss can go through. Just an incredible film. Yeah, I watch again. You send me the trailers every week, and I watch that one, and and I could feel my the heartstrings being pulled a little bit. Uh, then oh when we got God, to Rustic yeah. Oracle, though, I was, I was just you just stopped me dead in my tracks because that seems very uh, raw and and timely. It's raw and timely. It's about it's yet another victim of the murdered and missing Indigenous women and girls which has been going on for so many decades in Canada and nothing has been done. I spoke to the filmmaker in the star, nothing, absolutely nothing. And these poor girls go missing. They can hardly get anyone to investigate. Oh, dear me. Anyway, the, the little eight-year-old girl, it's seen through her eyes, her older sister disappears. She had looked out into the schoolyard at that moment when a white guy had approached her sister in the schoolyard and then she was never seen after that. 
Uh, you know, so it, in some ways, it's it's based on fact. I mean, it's based on what happens out there. It's a fictional family, but the performances are out of this world, especially the little girl Ivy and um, Lake Delisle is her name, and Carmen Moore is the mother. Oh Lord, what a what a job she had to do, and she did it so beautifully, very moving. And where can people catch that? Oh, where is that? It's on VOD. All kinds of them. Okay, excellent. All right, so let's move into some lighthearted and fluffy for our last yes. minute here. Tell me what we can watch this weekend to lift our spirits. This is just for you. What now? What is it called? Home Makeover with Mr. Christmas on Netflix. Yeah, and and I had I had my Christmas decorations out Halloween Eve. <laughs> what? <laughs> It's 2020, so I can't wait to watch this show. <laughs> 2020, that's right. Oh, you're going to love it. Okay, he starts outside with his little team. He, he makes his adorable little house into literally a gingerbread house. Then he goes inside, he decorates, and then he cooks. He's got it all. It's so nice. It's just short, but you'll love it. And that's then, of nice. course, our pièce de stance, Dolly. Dear Dolly Parton. She stars in Dolly Parton on the Square, which is a Christmas movie about a, an evil landowner in this small town played by Christine Baranski. And I must say she does evil well. And she's about to sell the place because she's bored and there's nothing for her there. And all the villagers are all so close. And Dolly wrote every single song that is in the, in the show. And they're all great songs. I don't know how she does it. She keeps pulling out great songs. She's amazing. Yeah, and she's the angel who oversees everything. So, you know, no spoiler to say things turn out okay, but what a journey. And Dolly, and it's just a feast for the eyes. And that's available on? Netflix. Netflix. Okay, well, you know I love Dolly Parton. I called my dog Dolly Parton. So uh, I'm a big fan of Dolly. So thanks, Anne, for joining me. We'll see you next week with more for Saturday Night at the Movies. See you next week. been trying to get your hands on a furry companion these past few months, you are not alone. The need for companionship is high and people everywhere are seeking a pet to call their own. Joining me now to discuss the pandemic pet is Stacy Lynn Morley, MSC Nutritional Communications Manager for Purina Pro Plan and Purina Pro Plan, I can't even see this, veterinary diets. Welcome to what she said, Stacy. Thank you, Candace. Thanks for having me. That was a bit of a tongue twister for me. I'm laughing. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to talk to you today a little bit about pets and the pandemic. Um, as we've heard yeah. that pet ownership is trending upwards in a big way. Uh, can you share some of the benefits of having a pet during these challenging times? Well, you know, Candace, it's been a really challenging time this year. It really has. And some of the benefits of having our pet at home with us is that they provide that companionship and that friendship that we're really looking for. I know myself, me personally, I'm working from home. I'm able to, you know, take a break from working and go and walk my dog. I know some people can take a break and cuddle with their cat. 
Um, and they're really providing that stress relief that we're looking for in this year. We might not be able to see our family and friends that often, but at least we have our pets and that companionship. Absolutely. You know, I, I had a 14-year-old golden doodle who sadly uh, passed away in June, which was sort of the icing on the cake for 2020. <laughs> and we were just heartbroken to lose her. And I noticed immediately that my outside time dropped because I wasn't walking her three times a day. Uh, so I just uh, in October uh, got another uh, puppy. Uh, golden Duke. Oh, okay and so now I'm outside more I have that companionship so I I totally get this um connection we have with our pets it's so what's your puppy's name uh Dolly Potton wow <laughs> <laughs> Dolly Potton I love it <laughs> yeah she's a cutie okay so what you know but getting a dog as we know is hard it's hard to find one they're in high demand they can be very expensive um so where are some safe places and ways that people can go about adopting a pet you know it's really all about responsible pet ownership and it's really about doing your homework so you can go to your local pet shelter your local animal shelter um, and you can also go to a reputable breeder, but really making sure you're doing your homework and finding the best breed and the best pet for you, whether it's cat or dog. Right. And so we've seen a rise in folks, obviously, that are getting pets. And so, but people are having issues with their pets, cats in particular, um, because they have to spend more time in the home with them. And so I have here that a study by the Human Animal Bond Research Institute noted that 37% of pet owners with cat sensitivities have had to change their lifestyle. Yeah. And, you know, cat allergens are a really big issue. They're actually affecting as many as one in five adults globally. They're actually sensitized to these cat allergens. Um, so that is a true stat. And a lot of things that people can actually do to help manage these allergens are a lot of people have been telling me they're, they're vacuuming, you know, almost every day. That's a lot of work. Uh, they're, you know, changing their sheets on their bedding. They might even have a couch cover. Um, some other things that they might want to do is, you know, providing, you know, an air filter and those type of things. But some of the other things, Candace, can actually impact that human-animal bond. And we don't want to see that. Some cats are getting stressed out in the household because the owner might need to manage the cat allergens in a different way and might actually need to keep their um, pet away from their bedroom. So that actually impacts the animal bond. And I know here, you know, at Purina, we're all about pets and people are better together. And we really want to keep that cat and that owner together. So really managing those cat allergens in the household is, is what I'd recommend doing. I'm curious, just quickly, why is there, you know, why cats in particular uh, have caused this uh, allergic reaction so much more than, say, dogs? You know, a lot of people think the common allergen is from like cat hair. They think that cat hair is this common allergen. But, but what it really is, is what's inside their mouth. So in their saliva, they create this protein, it's called cell D1, and it's a very common allergen. And what happens is when cats groom, and we know our cats love to groom very often, um, they actually will transfer their saliva, which has this common allergen, onto their hair and dander, and then it gets in the atmosphere, it gets in their household, it gets in everywhere. And that's where we're seeing a lot of the cat allergen sensitivities kind of come into play. Okay, so you're, you've actually, Purina's actually developed a food that can help uh, cats. So tell me about that. Yeah, so it's called Purina Pro Plan Live Clear, and it just recently launched. And it's such a revolutionary and innovative product. I'm so excited to talk about it. So what happens is when the cat actually eats the kibble, there is a key ingredient inside of it. Um, and that is uh, the key ingredient is an egg protein. And what happens 
is this product is really neutralizing the common allergen um, and it significantly reduces the allergens in cat hair and dander. And this is happening by an average of 47%. And this is done in the third week of daily feeding. Wow, that's huge. Yeah. So that means obviously the cats can be back in the bedroom and, uh, you know, reducing that allergen in the house for the humans, right? Yeah. So, you know, Propline Live Clear is another way to help manage these allergens. So by, you know, feeding this food, you know, we're hoping that you can maybe vacuum less often, you know, this is just another way that you can help manage. And, you know, hopefully you can actually have your cat cuddle with you more often and on your bed. That would be wonderful. Right. So cats, you know, so you obviously cat breeds are, are, some of them have high uh, allergens, but are, is there any cat breed that's hypoallergenic? You know, there isn't really a truly hypoallergenic cat because, you know, regardless of breed or gender, all cats are really producing this common allergen in their mouth that's called Feldy one So, you know, you can have a Cornish Rex, you can have a Sphinx, you can have a long-haired Maine Coon, and they're still all going to be producing this common allergen and they love to groom. So it's still getting in the atmosphere. So there's really no true hypoallergenic cat. I'm curious, is there a hypoallergenic dog? Um, there are some dogs that do, you know, shed less. I do have a, a breed of dog. Um, he is a Legoto Romagnolo um, and he does shed less. Um, so there could be um, some hypoallergenic dogs out there. Yeah, I have a golden doodle. Uh, and so she is not a big shedder. <laughs> uh, you know, I had a Labrador that literally just dropped fur nonstop. So some pets, some dogs for sure are dropping a lot of fur around the house as well. Yeah. And that's a lot of cleanup that you have to do as well. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So tell me then where, if people want to get, uh, try this, um, uh, Purina live clear for their cats, where can they buy that? Yeah, so you can get ProPlan Live Clear at your pet specialty store. You can get it at your veterinary clinic. So check them out. And you can also find out more on purina.ca slash liveclear. And do you have social media channels if people want to follow along as well? Yeah, you can check our Purina social media channel. Um, and that would be a great one to start with. Yeah. Okay, wonderful. And we are going to be giving away on Instagram a, uh, a some live clear, uh, pro playing live clear for cats, uh, to, worth $200. So people can head on over to Instagram, uh, at what she said, talk to, uh, find that. So thank you so much for joining me today, Stacey. This was great. Thank you, Candace, for having me. More with Candace Sampson and what she said coming up on 105.9 The Region. Welcome back to What She Said with Candace Sampson on 105.9 The Region. Not all career paths follow a straight line. Some can definitely be more like a maze. For some women, though, the feeling that they are limited by their qualifications could be preventing them from moving forward no matter what track they are taking. My next guest is here to tell you that you are more than the list of talking points on your CV and that there is no reason you can't forge brave new career paths. Lena Tampin is an outspoken and passionate leader at WagePoint who has forged a brilliant career in a technology company with absolutely no background in technology. Welcome to the show, Lena. Thank you so much, Candice. I'm super excited to be here. So I love that you are in a technology company and that you do actually don't have a background in technology. So what led you to that path? 
Um, careers can be, can be non-linear. The, at the end of the day, if you are open to exploring a new domain and you are willing to adopt a mindset of curiosity, it can take you to some really wonderful and unexpected places. So what I, I, I think um, is very important to remember is that we should not be limited by the qualifications that we don't have. Instead, focus on what we can bring to the table. Um, and when we do that, there are tons of opportunities to work at like tech companies where you don't need to have a background in STEM. Your unique perspective is what you need. So look for transferable skills, for instance, right? Right. Things that right. you can transfer to any, any role and any job. Right. Okay. So um, you're part of a really fast growing company, but you were always a remote culture. So how did that work for you when the pandemic hit? Oh, that was, uh, that was, you know, very interesting because on one hand we had the, uh, we had all the framework. So WagePoint has been a remote company since, since, since its inception. And we've been very good about creating the kinds of practices that allow us to uh, create a strong remote culture. So what I mean by that is having clarity around communication, expectations, deliverables, all of that. Uh, we've been spending years and years finessing that process. So we were very well prepared when the pandemic hit from a remote working standpoint that everybody was, for them, it was business as usual, right? However, that um, that time during the pandemic, I the, the feeling of everybody else needing to adjust their, um, their work life to now move to remote uh, was, was definitely an interesting experience and one that we had a lot of empathy for because it wasn't easy just given everything that was happening. But, uh, but I think anybody can make a remote culture work as long as you are focused on treating each other as people, right? growth and compassion in a business aren't mutually exclusive we can you can build a company a really fast growing company as long like as long as you are um treating people with respect building a culture that's supportive that's inclusive and respective can be accomplished so you almost could have been giving master classes to a lot of companies out there because you've gone through all the pain points of finding this work-life balance for people who yeah. are at home doing this already Exactly, exactly. Okay, so yeah. you were recently recognized as one of Canada's top 50 executives um, in, Globe and, in the Globe and Mail. That's an, an incredible accomplishment. Uh, what was that like for you? It was surreal. And uh, I'm not going to lie. I had, uh, when I first heard that I had been, uh, I was going to be awarded um, this, this best executive award, I remember thinking, are, are they sure they picked the right person? <laughs> because I, I had this, I had this moment of doubt. Um, but I think it's because I'm not used to being in the spotlight. The feeling of being recognized is surreal. But I'm grateful. I'm so grateful to be recognized for um, my efforts and to be standing alongside so many incredible leaders. I, it's, it's definitely an honor. Well, you know, what she said, we're here cheering you on, of course, because this is what we're all about is supporting uh, strong females in these roles. And we want to see more of that. Uh, tell me about uh, WagePoint's practices right now um, with women in the workforce. 
Um, so we, we've always maintained that a diverse work workforce is uh, going, to, going to be the reason why we succeed. When we are opening up our workplaces to hear opinions and perspectives from people that are not, um, you know, that are not white men, <laughs> then you have, you have a, a broader range of, of perspectives on, at the table, right? Um, so we've, we've always maintained that and we're very actively hiring, um, we're very actively hiring uh, people from um, all walks of life because we think that um, your experience, your unique perspective is what's going to um, help us become the friendliest payroll company. Um, and, and yeah, we're, we, we're very excited to be doing our part in um, in sort of lifting everybody up, including women and uh, people of other minorities. Wonderful. So if people want to connect with you, then find out more about WagePoint, maybe find out more about you, where can they go? Um, you definitely check us out uh, at wagepoint.com. Um, and uh, I'm also on LinkedIn, Lina Thampan. So yeah, feel free to connect. And um, and this has been so much fun. Candice, thank you so much for hosting me uh, on your show. And, uh, and yeah, I look forward to hearing from folks on uh, LinkedIn or uh, wagepoint.com. Wonderful. Thank you so much for joining me today, Lena. No worries. Thanks, Candice. That's it for What She Said for this week. Stay up to date with our newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter for videos of these interviews and more. Finally, be sure to subscribe to What She Said with Candace Sampson on Apple and Spotify for extended podcasts. I'll be back next week with more What She Said on 105.9 The Region. <laughs>